0: action show is created by Jupiter broadcasting it's sponsored by ting go to last.ting.com to save off your first device or plan and DigitalOcean. go to digitalocean.com and use the promo code here's the thing all one word like you're slurring it and spin up your own linux rig for free and linux academy go to linuxacademy.com unplugged and invest in your mind while saving some money welcome to the linux action show episode 458 my name is chris My name is Noah. Hello there, Noah. We have quite the show coming up, as you already know, coming up this week. Have you ever wanted to take the old terrestrial radio system or maybe something like XM and bring it into the modern era and make a podcast out of it? Noah has built a recording Octobox 2000 that's sort of like an NSA box in his house that monitors all of the streams and then records it, chops it up into little bite-sized MP3 files and delivers it to Noah just like a podcast. I know it sounds crazy, but it's. It's one of the craziest Frankenstein hack builds ever, and uh, we'll tell you about it today on the show. Plus, we've got the regular old news. We'll dig into some topics that I think are really sort of discussion pieces that No and I have been waiting to discuss, and I think hopefully you guys will like that particular aspect. And then in the feedback segment, we've got your questions. we got some interesting things to talk about. We're going to follow up on our new Flomajo for the show and do kind of, a, <clears throat> I guess, a three-episode review, you could call it, and then uh, picks and, you know. Other kinds of shenanigans, but first, Noah. But first, we're gonna jump right into this recording OctoBox thing that you've created. We're gonna just go right for it. And before I play the video, I, I just have I have one question: How okay. many iterations of this rig over the years have you had? Like, how many times have you tried this particular build? I'm there, curious. Just like there, how many there, attempts there were, it's there were,
1: been. There were there, so there are four. There are four different ones. The very first one I tried was uh, with a with the piece of software that supposedly was able to use my XM account, log into a website and pull a stream off of the website and then it would record it. And that worked for a little bit, but then the uh, serious XM put this like restriction where you could only pull that stream for an hour at a time and then it would cut you off. Well, that wasn't going to work. So then I tried it using the SiriusXM XM app and there was, a, and so that worked on an Android device. And what I had was to get past the little, are you still there thing? You could just have it. You could have the a little, thing that would just touch the screen just simulate screen thing screen touching or whatever which made the app think it was staying alive but the problem is after just a couple of days it's just i don't know it's just not designed to run 24 hours a day that sounds so frustrating that, yeah i would just lock up and that would crash so that led me to this big elaborate setup which you're about to see where i actually take the the actual radio stream from the actual receiver and then bring it in and do a bunch of stuff to it and that's that's how we arrived at the current day solution
0: <laughs> okay here we go
1: The Democrats prior to January 20th, 2017, were in full belief that the President of the United States had powers over immigration. Doc, Barack Obama said he he possessed prosecutorial discretion. Now, Article 2 of the Constitution that sets up the executive branch makes no mention that the president personally retains. Prosecutorial discretion. If his argument was that through the Department of Justice and his appointee, either Eric Holder or Loretta Lynch, that he could set priorities for the Department of Justice, that's a different story. But what? He could not argue, and yet the Democrats did anything. You know, I really love this guy. I think he makes phenomenal points, and I I really enjoy listening to, to him. In fact, Second to Unfilter, it's probably my favorite political show out there. But there's one problem. This show isn't available for download in any way I can find. It's only offered, in fact, by Sirius XM Satellite Radio. Now, Sirius XM Satellite Radio does offer a Sirius XM Satellite app that you can download on your phone and listen to on-demand content, as well as go back and listen to uh, previous shows that have played. The problem with that is, one, I like local media. I don't want to be streaming anything, and if I cancel my XM Series uh, subscription, I'd like to be able to go back sometimes and find some some of the material that I've listened to previously. Additionally, there have been times where I hear him say something, and I like to take a little clip of that and save it in case I'm making a point somewhere else, and I say, well, this guy can explain it much better than I could. So I've devised a system so that I can get all of this content right here on my smartphone. Basically what I'm doing is I have a machine that I've set up that is connected to a Sirius XM satellite receiver, and it records this show on schedule, completely automated, using Linux. Now we take all those recordings and we store them on on the hard drive of the machine, and I use a a, um, client on my phone called and FTP, which also supports SFTP. And I create an SSH tunnel into that particular box, and I pull all of those files down and import them directly into Pocket Casts. Now, if you don't know what Pocket Casts is, it's hands down the best Pocket Cast player. It's available on Android and iOS, and it's absolutely phenomenal, works perfectly. Um, I hear a lot of people complaining about their, their podcast players that when they get a text message it interrupts them or when they get a phone call it interrupts them or the audio doesn't come back quick enough or the audio comes back too quick. With Pocket Casts I can control all of that and set it up exactly how I want inside of the settings. So I'm a huge, huge Pocket Casts fan. It was an Android pick on the Linux Action Show way back in the day. So, we're on my way over to my office right now, and I'm going to take you back into a secret room that's in the back of Speed that nobody, well, not nobody, but not many people have the opportunity to go into, and it's kind of our, you know, Batman Labs kind of thing, where we, we try out new things that, that may eventually make it into actual series production. And I'll show you exactly how this box is set up, how I'm accomplishing what I'm accomplishing, and uh, kind of how all the hardware ties in together and how it works, so let's go take a look. So we're in the back room of AltaSpeed. This is where like all of the things that we don't really want anyone to see or know about. We have, you know, computers that are hanging apart and network cables and random USB stuff. Yeah, all sorts of weird things that are happening around here. And this is where this computer lives. And what this computer does is, is actually something quite incredible. This is an old HP tower. That's an old Core 2 Duo. It has maybe four gigs of RAM? We have a total of four gigs of RAM on this machine. It is not a powerful machine. It's not a great machine. And yet it's a machine that I use all the time. This machine is what is doing all of the recording. So basically I have a fairly simple setup. Over here, I've got just a standard XM receiver and I have that going into a, uh, just a small RCA uh, camera ja- or a, a audio capture device and then that goes USB into this computer. And I'm going to show you exactly what these scripts look like on the computer. So the first thing that we have is the uh, cron tab, and I'll just show you this. And basically what I have is I have uh, it's a three-hour show it starts at 11 a.m. my time and it plays weekdays, so one through five. And so I have the exact same, it's basically the same script uh, hour one, hour two, and hour three. And then it will automatically record, each one of those will kick off and record that particular hour of the show and i'll show you why i have three separate scripts I, i'm sure there's a way that i could consolidate this and make it a little bit more efficient but i'm not a programmer so uh and then i test mm-hmm. if i'm doing new stuff uh here i'll, I'll try it in, in, in this part of the uh in this part of the the cron so i'll go back out let's go into my scripts directory and let's take a look at what <coughs> Uh, one of these look li- looks like so basically the program that's doing all of the magic is a program called R and R um, basically records audio from uh, a given audio device so you can see here we're R and we've, we've given it the the tag D duration and so I'm recording for 3598 and that gives me a two-second buffer at the end of the file for just one script to completely stop and then the next script to take over um, uh, obviously that's the bitrate, uh, there's two channels, and I'm recording this to raw uh, hour one dot wave. After we've recorded that, we want to convert it into an mp3, so we're using avcom for basically ffmpeg with a bitrate of 320, and we're taking that wave file and turning it into mp3. Then we use a program called id3v2, and basically that is adding the id3 tags <laughs> Uh, to this uh, to this file. So basically, we're, we're adding the ad, uh, the artist Andrew Wilkow. We're adding the title, the Wilkow Majority, hour one. And this is this is why I broke it up into three separate scripts because I can get my hour one, hour two, hour three. So hour one, and then we append the month, the day, and the year. Um, and uh, obviously, the album is Wilkow Majority, and the talk or the type is talk radio. And um, we're appending that i uh, that ID three. Uh, tag to this MP3 for Hour One, and then we remove our original capture file, which is the uh, raw Hour yeah. One dot wave um, and finally we move the recording from this working directory of recordings into show slash TWM for Welcome Majority, uh, and rename it to the that we rename the actual file from you know raw one raw Hour One dot .mp3 to you know the name of the show and then obviously the month, the day, and the year and I can pull all of these files then from scp onto my phone and play them wherever I am.
0: Oh man, no, you know, I got actually a couple of questions for you after watching that and I and I think an idea that maybe we could uh, capitalize on. Okay. Big bucks, Noah. Big bucks. No, a big buck. So before we do that, let's save money by switching to Ting. It's mobile that makes sense. Go to last.ting.com. You only pay for what you use Freaking wireless, guys. $6 for the line and then just your usage on top of that. Last.ting.com is where you gotta go to support the show and get the $25 credit if you bring a device or $25 off a device. They got super great customer service and the best control panel in the biz. On top of that, they're geeks. They're geeks. The people that support the phone, they're Android geeks, and they're iPhone geeks. They're, like, nerds. And to that end, they also have a really great blog where, apparently, I just found out, Hulu launched a new live TV streaming service. There are a bunch of cord cutters over there, and they're always talking about this. Noah even knew about this because he's a big online services guy. But uh, I had to read about it here on the Ting blog. So, you go to last.ting.com. What's the matter? No, what? what? You go to last. I, I, you're right. I love those yeah, cloud yeah, services. Yeah, I you, totally yeah, have a yeah. little subscription. Yeah, I <laughs> am yeah, sure. Uh, and also, you know, something I, I should mention once you sign up, um, when you're going to love it too, they've CDMA and GSM networks to choose from. But once you sign up, they got a really good referral program. They got. A, I'm just lucky Noah doesn't do this. And I, he sends people to last.ting.com. Because uh, you can get uh, service credits up the wazoo when you refer friends. You get a personal link once you've signed up. Give that out to your friends and family. And why not? Once you become a Ting customer, you you generally become a Ting advocate too. So that's a really cool way to get a little money back on your account. Maybe uh, pay for your wireless because a $25 service credit gets you a long way on Ting. So go to last.ting.com and a big thank you to Ting for sponsoring the Linux Action Show. So I guess I'll start with my big idea first. My big idea is this is two shakes of a lamb's tail away from being a totally automated podcast generated machine. Because instead mm-hmm. of do instead of pointing a record at the uh, line in, if you could somehow get say like a Icecast stream, oh like I could then you could take a live Icecast stream and Mm -hmm. automatically make an MP3 file with all of the ID3 tags Mm -hmm. for a podcast and completely Mm -hmm. automate podcast publishing. And if you had audio setup like we have where you could actually have real-time compression and limiters and gates, Mm -hmm. you could go from beginning to end in that span and have a completely ready-to-go episode if you're only Mm -hmm. publishing MP3 using that system, just changing what it records and making Mm -hmm. sure you you start and stop your podcast at the right time. Since it's based yeah, on crop. to be
1: clear, I couldn't point r chord at it, but I could do it with
0: ffmpeg. I could oh the, sure, just replace that yeah. part. Yeah, yeah, record ffmpeg. Yeah, mm-hmm. mm, no, that might be something people could do. That's a really that's a that's a neat idea. So I guess mm-hmm. my question is how? I, well, the part I don't follow is mm-hmm. how are you then listening to these mp3 files once you've cut them up from the radio? So you get these things in hourly chunks. Mm-hmm. then what you got like a 25 megabyte mp3 file or something like that you got a
1: closer they're closer to 80 but they oh, okay. um but they but yeah so they're so they're they're are all these files that are just sitting on the hard drive and then that client and ftp for android just has it has two directories mapped. the first directory is the SFTP directory that is on that on that local hard drive that has a list of all that week shows and then the other directory is the custom directory for pocket casts that that you can for creating shows manually inside a pocket cast so just once a week I just open up that end FTP and I hit transfer and that week's shows gets moved over to my pocket cast folder and then pockets cat scans them and then uh, and here's the thing I actually looked at uh, putting them up on uh, on, like putting them through like pod track or something like that so that I could so that it would just Podcast would just find them, but apparently other people have tried that, and SiriusXM has pulled those down and said you can't you can't publish them. So I I this way I don't violate any of my any of my agreements with you know my. You know what computer. I have done
0: in the past is I have taken I have created a folder in my Dropbox that is a public folder that's publicly accessible, mm-hmm. and then I put my MP three file in there. <clears throat> Dropbox will then generate when you tell it to a public URL for that file. Put, oh okay. You put that into Pinboard and okay. you tag it with like the like you come up with the tags for like radio. Uh-huh. And then Pinboard will generate an RSS feed for every tag. Mm-hmm. And then you put that RSS feed in Pocket Cast. Now I know mm-hmm. that sounds complicated. No, it's not
1: complicated. I just want to make sure I'm following what you're doing. You're telling uh-huh. me you're taking your cloud connected storage, uh-huh. to your cloud connected whatever it is, bookmarking service and then adding that to the, your cloud connected feed thing so that you can then read it on your local device. <laughs> That's not really what I was aiming for with this whole in thing. In fact, I, I, I
0: really took it a step a further, point. and I actually ran the Pinboard feed through FeedBurner. So here's oh, the – the, just you're This is – By the way, this is this – is, Anybody can make their own private podcast feed for your podcast player with this system. You need to get a public URL and public storage. In this case, I was using Dropbox. Then you need right. to put that file – You need to register that somewhere that generates an RSS feed. In this case, I was using Pinboard. And then you take that RSS feed, and you put it into FeedBurner. And you okay. burn the feed in FeedBurner, and you tell FeedBurner to make it an audio-only podcast feed. And you put all the information in there, and then it'll generate you a nice, easy RSS feed that you can type into PocketCast. And then anytime you tag something in Pinboard with that tag that's tied to that RSS feed, it will automatically show up in Pocketcast. It's really slick. Yo or any, bro, any podcast player. We heard
1: that you liked cloud on your cloud, so we gave you some
0: cloud with your cloud so you could use the cloud to do more cloud on your cloud. I, you know what? You, you're recording. You're recording serious radio shows. You got no room. You got no room here. But there's, none of that is loud. You none are of that, that is You are in a, are in a glass them house, them casting quite literally
1: in the cloud and bringing them. I can't out even of the with cloud, you down I, to
0: the. I earth. can't even with you. Here's what you got to do. You got to stop listening to these old traditional dinosaur radio guys, and you got to go ad- I'll double it on podcasts. You go yeah. with the media that delivers the content in the way you want it. Problem solved. Yeah. One more bell. That's Last true. bell of the that's show. True. That's true. That's all I'm saying. That's that's, that's all. That's all I'm, okay. saying. That's right. all I'm saying you're yeah. right, but it really works. I know it's blowing your mind right now, and you're like you're 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 shrugging it off. But I spent some time because here's what I did: is I created a family podcast feed, and so mm. I have I have a t- I can tag it with family, and everybody mm-hmm. that's subscribed gets a new file that shows up, and it's our own private little podcast thing. And so yeah. one of the things I do is I take like audio books that I really like that I want to share with the family, and I tag mm-hmm. it in this feed, and then they all get it, and they're just pulling it off my Dropbox folder.
1: Sure. Easy, That's pizza. a great way to do it. I just, uh, you know, me in the
0: cloud, we just don't see eye to eye sometimes. Do you have a Dropbox account? That you set up? Yes. <laughs> do you have, so the answer is yes, you have a Dropbox account. Okay. And do you use Pocket Cast? Yes. Okay. All right. So you you have pretty much all the stuff except for Pinboard, which is super simple. Takes two seconds. And Pinboard I mean, is ran by a really my- great dude that is just a, he's an independent dude. This is all he does. This is how he makes his money. It's a cool service. Uh, so I might even
1: have Pinboard. I think you recommended I get that. Yeah, I use it for show prep too. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, it's a good bookmarking service, especially for people that are bookmark challenged like yourself. It's a really nice. Just check this out. Any page I'm on, any page on, on control B, it, I could boom. I create a bookmark. Boom, boom, create a bookmark on the Pinboard. Control B, boom. I set it up. All right, that's the Linux Action shows. Look at Noah's crazy OctoBox recording monster 2000. The cat sat on the the news and this
1: episode is brought to you by
0: Linux Academy. Go to linuxacademy.com unplugged and sign up for a free seven-day trial. It is a platform built by Linux enthusiasts, Linux lovers, and
2: educators that came together and created the Linux Academy platform. Whether you're an experienced sysadmin or new to the world of Linux, Azure, and AWS, OpenStack, and DevOps, a sharp skill set is an absolute necessity to succeed. Meet Linux Academy, an online Linux and cloud training platform that uses self-paced, video courses and hands-on labs to give you real-world experience for a wide range of skills. Train for your certification, learn the latest DevOps tools, and grow your skill set to do better work. Linux Academy is not just a video library. Our scenario-based server labs and quiz system allow you to learn hands-on. We also have full-time human instructors who answer questions and help you earn that certification or promotion at work. We add new training every week so you'll always be up to date on the latest tech. Sysadmins of every experience level use Linux Academy to stay on the bleeding edge of the Linux ecosystem. You should too. LinuxAcademy.com
0: slash unplugged, and they just announced a partnership with Chef to provide super high-quality Chef training, as well as everything else they do. LinuxAcademy.com slash unplugged. Thanks, Linux Academy, for sponsoring the Linux Action Show. So let's talk about scale. It's coming up very soon, March 2nd through the 5th at the Pasadena Convention Center. And uh, we got a couple of interesting things to talk about. So not only is this just a huge event that's fun to go to, but we have Mm -hmm. like a great deal for people that might be interested in attending, too. We do so.
1: Ian was kind enough to reach out to us and give us a deal. Anyone who listens to the Linux Action Show is going to get fifty percent off their admission price, baby. Fifty percent. You can use the last or the the discount code last five zero L A S five zero and save fifty percent off the the purchase price of admission. Let me, you, let me tell you why scale in particular is so cool. I get I run into people all the time, and I talk to people in the chat room and over email and contact forms. And they say, how do I get started with a Linux career? How do I get started? Well, certainly yeah, we things do get like that Linux a lot. Academy are, are going to get you started you know, building the skills. But the networking opportunities that come from these conferences are unbelievable. And I actually watched the gentleman that helped me with this uh, kernel problem that you're going to hear about probably in a couple of weeks. He actually, I watched him get hired at one of these Oh, really? Yeah, Yeah, you know, no, I would say
0: that too. It's not only is it good for networking, but uh, you get a sense of what the industry is working towards and excited about, where the momentum is going, which helps you plan for your career a little bit better. You get an idea of the jargon people are using, uh, just some really good basics and essentials. Plus, then they have uh, sessions you can attend where you can actually learn about stuff. So, yeah.
1: Scale is interesting in that a lot of times we have seen the split between the fests and the cons, and the fests are the very community-oriented things and the cons are the yeah. very, you know, corporate kind of things. The interesting thing about Scale is they attract a lot of the same vendors that the cons do, but they have it structured in a way like a fest. So it's yeah, it's absolutely one of my favorite ones to go to and JB will be well represented there. We'd love to catch up with you guys. So come out and say 50% off. I think that's a great deal and a huge thank you to Ian yeah.
0: and the entire team at Scale for offering that code to us. Yeah, and if you're going, be sure to say hi to Noah and use our promo code LAST50. To get fifty percent off, which is awesome. That's a great deal. Uh and we got uh just a little bit ago, we got the press invite. So you can go in as press too, which would be great. Gives you access to interviews and whatnot. That's really cool. It's nice to have scale, you can tell they've really got their S together. It's oh yeah. It's a it's a great conference. I I don't think I'm making it, and I am so bummed about that. I'm super, super bummed about that. Uh, But we have a lot of stuff coming up, so it's not for a lack of content. It's just we've got so much content coming up with a lot of planning to go. We just have to budget ourselves and pace ourselves. But I have some good stuff in the works. But I will not be at scale this year, which makes me the sad. So represent us down there. We'll get a live show from down there. We'll still get some interviews from down there, and uh, you can still have a good time. No one knows how to party up at an event. I do. Your buddies over at Mozilla had a crazy week. They've landed Servo, which I'm very excited about, WebRender, and others into the Firebo- Firefox main code base repos. The nightly Mozilla central repository, which the Servo project we've talked about, WebRender we've talked about, and the various Rust dependencies. So this is all stuff that we've sort of been looking at moving closer and closer to production in mm-hmm. Firefox. This doesn't mean everyone's getting this stuff very soon, but it does mean that it's getting in the main repositories and it's going to work its way through the system. And these could be major improvements for Firefox. Uh, and as I've been sort of moving around desktop environments, one thing I definitely have to say about Firefox is I can much more easily feel at home on the Linux desktop. It feels like it's actually a, a, a native application where, especially under the Plasma desktop, Chrome sticks out as its own unique non-native thing. Mm-hmm. And I can tell I'm using... A cross-platform application on the Plasma desktop. Right. Where when I fired up Firefox under KDE Neon, it felt like Firefox was meant for the Plasma desktop. Um, so there's been there's yeah. been times I've I've kept wanting to go back to Firefox.
1: The thing is, I I've been a Firefox user since before it was Firefox. Back when it yeah. was just the Mozilla browser, same, basically same. it was Netscape
0: Navigator. I've been you know? using it literally since it was Netscape, if you can call it that. I mean, I, the, so, the lineage at least, yeah.
1: So, and you know, and the thing is, I've I've always had a great experience, and that's why I continue to use it. But really, what sealed the deal for me was um, a couple of years ago, I had the opportunity to meet with the Mozilla folks and interview some of the gals that were there, and the way that they approach the community and the way that they structure their company. Focused on community and open to input from the community. Anyone can attend their, 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 uh, their meetings. They're completely open to the public. Um, The way they structure that makes it, it makes it a company and a foundation and a, an entity that I really want to support. And so, I am 100% all Firefox all the time, and it's getting easier and easier to make the argument that it's a technically superior browser as well.
0: Yeah, in the meantime, you can't sync your bookmarks today. I mean, that's where we're at right now. Yeah, it's not all – We can, I just choose not to. You choose not to because it doesn't work with the amount of bookmarks that you have. It doesn't work for you. I, I mean, well, I've, I've had issues with the sync too. I mean, that's I mean, why it doesn't the, work for me. I the amount of bookmarks, but how do I search through
1: my, find my bookmarks? That's what I don't – that's the part I can't solve, but that wouldn't be any different under Chrome.
0: Mm, Okay, good cop. All right, fine. You don't have to play bad cop on the radio if you don't want to. I I understand.
1: Listen, off the air, have you ever heard me say anything bad about Firefox? Yeah, I've
0: heard you say that the sync doesn't work and you had to quit using it. That's not what I said. That is what what you said, said. but it's all right. It's all right. I know. know, It's fine. This happens all the time. We get on the show and I end up complaining about something. You're like, I think it's great. And then we get off the air and you're like, this thing doesn't work, but it's fine. No, no, it's fine. Everything with Firefox is great. There's no technical limitations. There's no problem dragging in all of the Rust dependencies. It's fine that Servo isn't with out that. there yet. I agree with that. I agree with that. I agree
1: dragging the entire Rust dependencies is a huge pain. It's a short-lived problem, and we okay. should have tackled this problem a while ago. That I, I just
0: tease because I, I am excited about it, but I, I feel like there is, a, uh, I th- there is a group of people out there that uh, a bit of an apologist, and it's not been competitive. And it's getting there, but I really—the reason why this is a story— this is this is the reason why this is a story is because Firefox needs these things to be competitive. That's what that's my point. The reason why we've sure. been talking about Servo and WebRender and the fact that they're retooling stuff into Rust for going on now two years, we've been and, and electrolysis. The reason why we've been covering all of this stuff is because it's been lacking in this in these features now for like sure. years. I, but I I so I yes I I am I am very positive. I'm thinking probably by the end of 2017. This stuff's going to be looking, it's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. It's going to be really great. It's going to be the best people. Huge. Firefox is going to be the best in 2017. They've got really good people working on it, the best people. So stay tuned. But in the meantime, folks like Noah and many others out there, Continue to love it. So don't listen to Crazy Chris. He just likes Chrome. Fedora 27 is scheduled. What? Yeah, Fedora 27 is scheduled to be released on Halloween, and we haven't even gotten Fedora 26 yet. The crazy folks over at Fedora Engineering and Steering Committees have approved an initial release date for Fedora 27. Now, bear in mind, all scheduled likely to change. I say scheduled likely to change because, come on, it's Fedora. (laughs) These guys are going to change it. But that's cool. That's as long whatever it takes. The approved schedule puts... uh, Fedora 27 branching from rawhide on the 25th of July. I know Noah's is a big rawhide user, so that's coming when you need to plan, Noah. And then expect the uh, final release um, on Halloween. I guess I'm looking for the release you know, date of 26, you know, though.
1: You know, for all, your, uh, for, all, for all your poking, I do actually have a box that I test the latest version of, of Fedora when it comes out as well as other distros when they come out too. But oh, yeah. um, I try to keep particularly close tabs on Fedora because I'm hoping one of these days that they come out with like a workstation thing that is an LTS version and then I'm going to switch
0: over and then there's going to be no getting me back. But uh, There's a couple of things know. that are changing in 26 that I like. So before we start getting all excited about... 27, we're going to be getting 26, and it looks like they're separating sub packages and source debug info. Very good move. They're enabling mm-hmm. trim to be passed down to SSDs that are not encrypted. Good. Yep. Uh, they're also going to produce a minimal container image to be base for Docker images. Um, they're doing, uh, they're making pseudo pip safer. What's wrong? With su- I need to look into that. And, of course, you're going to get GNOME uh, 3, 3.24 up in this business. That's interesting. And they're also going to enable uh, SSSD fast cache for local users. SSD, S S S D. Try to say that 10 times fast. And for you, you're going to like this, a Python classroom lab spin. Excellent. So I can practice my dev skills. Yes, cuz you're a developer. You're a developer. I am a developer. Yeah, I write code. Now, we recently covered the release of LibreOffice 5.3, and uh, one of the features that Noah said would be the end of LibreOffice and destroy the project was the new... <laughs> yes,
1: that's exactly what I said.
0: That's basically a direct quote. <laughs> this is what happens. Uh, it would re- they have the new um, ribbon toolbar. They have the new ribbon toolbar that you were mm-hmm. actually pretty worked up about. It was kind of funny. Like you got all worked I up. Think it's a dumb idea. I, yeah. just, I really don't you think you got all worked up about it. Uh, after t-
1: having it for 10 years, I still haven't met anyone that works in the Microsoft Office world that's like, "Oh yeah, I just I love that ribbon, that's a really more efficient way to work." Like that just doesn't happen. Yeah, that's but if they had done
0: the LibreOffice version, I think they might have had a winning recipe. So, yeah, and be- apparently the rest of the world agrees, LibreOffice 5.3 has gotten a record level of donations. This triggered a record level of donations. 3,937 donations in February 2016, 1,800 more than in March, and 2,000, sometimes 3,000 more than any other month. They say that the donations are the key to the life of the project, so thank you. People are very—now, I'm, I'm not—is it really new to their—is it because of their new UI? I don't think so. I think what people probably were responding to, if it was me and I had a big deployment of LibreOffice, the cross— Operating system rendering engine mm. and the improvements to the underlying infrastructure to the code base to make it more maintainable and more efficient and less buggy are huge benefits to the corporation. And so if I was a corporation at LibreOffice, I'd be donating for those features alone. I don't know if it's really this new toolbar. It might have driven some more downloads and more donations, though. You never know. I mean, it's good to see them doing well. And I thought it, it, was, a good pro- it was a good chance to tease you a little bit.
1: Especially if you have the millennials that grew up on the toolbar that nobody wants, then uh,
0: you know, perhaps they might Did think you just they blame the toolbar on the millennials? Does that just happen? Aren't you technically in the millennial age category? No, I'm I think I'm a little bit before. No, that. I think you Come are. On. I you're younger than me, so you are in there <laughs> cuz I I depending on whose chart you look at, am in there by 1 year or just miss it. So, oh, okay. yeah, yeah, I think I guess, you I are technically a millennial, problem. which is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is a train wreck. It's on, it's off, it's on, it's off, it's gonna take over the world, it's gonna disappear. Android x86 future is in question. Uh, It's been around for seven plus years, I've run it many times, but it looks like the founder is moving on. In February of last year, they teamed up with Remix OS, there hasn't been a lot of development, and it looks like the main developer left maybe even at the end of 2016. He wrote today on the Android x86 list that I've quit, at the end of 2016, and I'm looking for a new job, I'm not sure if I still have time or energy to work on this project in the future. I'm even not sure if it's worth it.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, no, it's not. Here's the thing, the I I, I really struggle to understand, most technologies I can, I can understand, even though I don't personally agree with it, I understand the people who buy iPhones, even though I don't personally do it, I understand the people that buy MacBooks and, and so on and so forth. For the life of me, I do not understand this obsession
0: with trying to get Android to run on desktop devices. Why? Why? For what possible reason? Well, take so, out take out desktop when you say x86, because there's mm-hmm. like the ASUS Zen phone that's x86 based, and it's a okay. really cool phone. I mean Okay, there well, are a couple of them, but I would actually I mean, like to see more x86-based Android because then I can really? use Yeah, because then I could use those devices for other things too. Like I could use it to run real Linux if you had more imagine if all of these freaking devices out there if Intel had gotten their power profile down to ARM and they were competitive imagine if all of these devices were x86 based we'd probably have Linux running all over the place
1: but I I feel like the ARM devices are specifically designed for that lower power smaller form factor use case in the x86
2: everything
1: it just seems like we're working too here's what it reminds me of it reminds me of when we tried to conflate these paradigms of taking a desktop operating system and shrinking it down to a tiny little screen and making it a touchscreen operating system and now this seems like the opposite. We're trying to take a, a tiny little touchscreen oper- operating system and bring it up to desktop form. Like, I guess I'm surprised objectors? because
0: it to me it seems strategically important to Google. It seems like it would be something that I mean, they must have a branch inside. Uh, the site's still up. androidx 86org is still up. It's based on, hmm. I think right now, like marshmallow. Hmm. I don't know what to say. I I I've, I feel like I feel like if you're gonna be stuck with Android. Having it run on x86 processors is a good thing. Not necessarily to take over the yeah. world, but it seems like it's a good thing. I don't know. Yeah. I guess I don't have any reason why we shouldn't do it, but do I think it's important? No. Do I think
1: anyone will notice or care that it's gone?
0: I no. guess. Oh, look at this. Okay. So Intel has, Intel has a horse in this race. Intel has their own version of Android for Intel platforms. So they... Uh, co- yeah. Like, What? Yeah, uh, so. Compute stick or something? For the, like, they call it Android IA, and it's the uh, IA implementation of Android for Intel NUCs, they say, um, and other things. Yeah, see right there. Who, why is that? Why is that a good idea? What, what,
1: what are these people thinking? Who puts the Android on a NUC? For what possible reason would you want
0: to do the that? The kids know. I mean, I know you were joking about the millennials, but in a way, uh, yes, imagine suppose. imagine a world where you get into, you, you. you know, you've been talking about this, actually. You've been uh, talking yeah. about how some of your clients, go ahead, tell the story on the show.
1: We, so we, I was, I'm working with this, uh, I'm working with this office and we are installing a VoIP phone system. And one of the big things for them was there's a, a number of the, of the executives and people that work there that they have, they're being forced to use this VoIP system because they have to be able to transfer calls back and forth, but they don't know anything other than their touchscreen iPhone or Android. And so we had to deploy these phones by ubiquity that run Android, their desktop executive phones that. Can interface into the VoIP uh, professional call system, but they function like you dial the number and you have a little green button to send it because that's the way they know how to use these things. And it it perplexes me. And a couple weeks before that, we installed one of those huge Samsung, uh, like the 22 inch idiotic thing tablet for this guy at his desk because he wanted to use it as his replacement for his computer because he thinks tablets are more efficient. Wow. this is a thing that is happening, and it's it's quite frankly, it's idiotic and scary to me, but it's, it's a thing
0: <laughs> you know, I had it's it's kind of related. I had uh, so that 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 shocks me when you say like they wanted the phones with Android on them so they could use them to do conference calls because mm-hmm. for me, i want I want manual buttons on my phone. I want like the conference Absolutely. button to be a manual button. I don't want to go through nope. a touchscreen. I don't want to have to fiddle with it. um when Hadea and I were out car shopping for her. One of the mm-hmm. things we noticed immediately is the cars where the climate control and the radio were all touchscreen. It was way clunkier than the cars we just got oh. in and turned a knob for the air and turned a no knob for the. No kidding. Yeah, it's no it, kidding. And that's me. I want a physical button and switch when possible, so that way I can I can do it without looking. See, when I'm operating the phone, I want to get to a, I want to get to a muscle memory state with the phone where I reach over do 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 and I just exactly. operate it without ever having to go. Uh, exactly.
1: Uh, exactly. Uh, and you know what, Chris, uh, if you look at if you look at industries where they've done detailed research, airline, for example, right? NASA does thousands of hours of research on human behavior and, and behavior sciences. Right. And what they find is they not only do they do that, you don't find touchscreens inside of most, uh, you know, inside of a lot of aircraft. At least not on the important things. But the bu- the way those buttons are laid out are even in a particular thing, in the size yeah, of yeah, the button, man. the shape oh, yeah. of the button, like they study all of that. So to get all rid of all of that stuff and just go to a touch screen, some yeah. driving down the road, just
0: idiotic. But you, but you see it happening. I see it okay. even like with my own kids and family members. And I'll tell you, I, th- I the reason why it doesn't surprise me is. Humans, there's only a certain level of of efficiency we have to achieve before it's good enough, and we all just kind of accept it. And Mm -hmm. if you want an example of that, you could imagine, I wonder if there was a, a conversation similar to this when they were trying to debate on the keyboard standard to go with Dvorak or QWERTY. We have the QWERTY keyboard layout. It's yeah. the worst, most inefficient yeah. keyboard layout. And then, it's like, designed to slow your typing down. And we, we all use it. We don't think about it. We don't think about yeah. how, how inefficient it is. And then, when we yep. go to replicate these on touchscreens, what do we do? We re implement <laughs> QWERTY layout on touchscreens. It's unbelievable. So and. True. And yeah. none of us think about it, and so I yeah. I think it could be similar. It's I'm not I know it's not an exact analogy, but just it, it's because pretty those inter- of interfaces are less efficient, that's what people learn to use, and people learn. I noticed this when I was reviewing the XPS thirteen with my family members. They just expect to reach out and touch it. Like we were looking mm-hmm. at a Craigslist ad, they're like, "Oh yes, yeah, look at that one." I didn't tell them it was a touchscreen. <laughs> yeah. I hadn't touched it, but they mm-hmm. just expect it, and yeah. and it's especially uh, true with my kids. And so that's why sure. I just kind of thought this was a. a not that I have any use for it, but it kind of just sure. seemed like a no-brainer project. And especially when you see it on something like the NUC. Because, uh, in fact, Intel has a – oh, it's gone. Intel had a product image up here for a second of somebody with a NUC, a and Andri- full-screen Android app with a touchscreen. Giant, like, 21-inch, 22-inch touchscreen that they were manipulating an Android app running off a of NUC. So there, there must be some – and it's, it, they make it look like it's an – uh, I'm trying to find the image again. But they make it look like it's a professional office setting, too and you got to figure as people that grow up on these types of interfaces get more and more into business this culture is going to change unfortunately i think you're right in the meantime they'll have to pry away my command line and that's to me <laughs> i've well, having now watched it honestly and i i kind yeah. of i feel like for a long time i was on the wrong side of history because when i got started in the industry i was migrating a company from dos to a gui and I was the GUI evangelist. I was the keyboard and mouse evangelist because that's what I came up on essentially sure. towards sure. the, you know, towards my core computer usage. It was when the GUIs were were blossoming and I was playing with all the different operating systems GUIs. And so for me, I came in as a GUI advocate. This is what you've got to change everything over to GUI. And that was the way the industry was going. So I moved a company from a DOS-based. Hear, for you users, that is the way we should approach things. Yeah, I suppose so. But now looking back at it, um, everybody that knew the old key system was way faster just keying in. So it, so it was a teller, right? The okay. person comes up, they want to look up the account information. The teller was literally twice as fast with the tech system oh, sure. than the, oh, let me true. click on the tab. And it, I didn't, yeah. you know, I didn't really understand that at the time because this I just saw things from the GUI perspective. And now mm-hmm. over the years, after all the desktop environments I've used, all the different operating systems I've tried, mm-hmm. from the Mac, from Windows, from Linux... When I really need to check something really quick, like what's going on with my network? On yeah. all of them, I drop to the command line and get it done immediately. And to yep. me, it's still one of the most efficient user interfaces. So mm. what do I know? You were looking at this, now Now we're going to touch and voice. So it's it's. I feel like we're getting left behind to some degree, but it's not going away. It is interesting to watch these trends. And it's interesting to see not a lot of interest in Android x86. I do mm-hmm. know, I, I agree with you that it kind of pleases me a little bit because I feel like that makes desktop Linux a little safer. Right. But then we have the Chromebooks waiting and the wings coming in waiting to crush us mm-hmm. all. All right, that's the Linux Action Show's look at the news. Hey guys, you know what
1: time it is. It's time for the picks.
0: And this segment is brought to you by... DigitalOcean. Go over to DigitalOcean.com. It's the world's easiest, simple cloud hosting provider. Create an account and use our promo code. Here's the thing. You'll get a $10 credit. You can spin up their $5 rig, two months for free. DigitalOcean.com. They've got a really nice interface, data centers all over the world, and an API to back it all up in a way that is smooth, simple, and very straightforward. And then... Like a warm blanket, they wrap you with fantastic community documentation, solid performance, great team support, lightning fast networking, and highly available block storage, which you can add up in little increments or up to 16 terabytes to your droplet. They have monthly pricing and they have hourly pricing, which is maniac level pricing. This is such a great way to experiment with an open source project. Put up a little back-end infrastructure for yourself, your family, or your company, from small needs, like a personal IRC or a mumble server, all the way up to adding capacity to scale engine. There's all kinds of things you can do with DigitalOcean. Go over to digitalocean.com and try it out. I think they probably finally nailed the whole package. A great infrastructure, built on Linux, using KVM, SSDs, super nice UI, great community, Excellent documentation, fantastic pricing, and you can support the show when you use our promo code. Here's the thing. All one word at DigitalOcean.com. And a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Linux Action Show. So we have app picks, we have the Runs Linux, we've got the distros. Let's start with our Runs Linux, the UK Payroll Runs Linux. Tell me about this one here, Noah.
1: So this was sent in by Richard N., one of our viewers, and basically he was able to capture a picture of some software that the uh, that the. – let's see if we get this open. Well, I guess I don't have to open it. You can open it for them. But basically the, the UK government has created an application for their employers to do payroll, and it's a desktop tool um, that makes their submissions online through the tool. And he was able to get a picture of that. And, On and Linux that too, in. yeah. Right and the the thing that is it, the the reason that these always jump to the front of the list for me is anytime somebody can find something that is that is is not the go-to standard for Linux. Every robot runs Linux. I don't care anymore. Every major server runs Linux. I don't care anymore. But when you have like a government which is using, you know, a desktop application to do payroll, now that's
0: cool. And that we have to talk about. I do like seeing that kind of stuff. I agree with you there. All right, so check it out. We have a link to the picture in the show notes if you'd like to see a screenshot and be so thankful you don't work with that application. Now, this is something that's interesting <laughs> for those of us that uh, ha- want to have a little more insight into what the heck the RAM's doing on our system. SMEM, which is a memory reporting tool. What do we got here, Mr. Noah?
1: So what this does is, I'm sure most of us, uh, we we use, uh, you know, free m you know, all day long right like my the first thing i do when i wake up in the morning and my my wife's like hey don't forget to the first thing i do is like inside right. of my head i'm like yeah. free Tack yeah. m and sure. i have enough memory yeah. to remember yeah we just know that yeah also i've got what, gnome SM- system monitor
0: up every day i've got case this <laughs> constantly
1: yeah have to have those so smem is a more robust tool for monitoring and, and managing or not managing per se but but getting an eye of your memory on your system and so haven't played with this more than just a couple of days but from what I've seen, it's a it, it's a far more enhanced version of FreeTagM. So you can get a lot more information and definitely something that I have running on a couple of my servers as well as on my uh, on that new HP I have. I'm kind of checking it out. And so this is be
0: way to- better than free. So this breaks it down by process. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's, uh, there's uh, all kinds of sorting commands you can do, and you can do it in reverse order based on memory usage. This is really cool. I, I haven't
1: played with any of the reverse ordering and stuff like that, but I've I definitely found it to be uh, give me a lot more information.
0: So here I got it running. Out. I just installed it on my machine because it's just in the it's just in the package repository. Oh, I always love those app picks; they're just in the mm-hmm. pocket. So if I pop it off here on my desktop, my GNOME three desktop on this system, um, mm-hmm. you can see all of the different processes, the PIDs, the user memory, all of the stuff that they're taking. It's nice, Noah. I like Mm -hmm. that. Good pick. SMem. And uh, you probably just find it in your local distro repository. And it also looks like it can generate some some cool graphs and output things, too, if you uh, throw the right flags at it. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. I have not played with it. There's a lot more to do. There's a lot more than just looking at the uh, memory usage of PIDs. It does a lot of stuff. So let's pick a distro that I'm willing to bet a lot of you have never heard of. And if you're like me, you've always fantasized about finally getting around to building a Linux from scratch machine just to see what it would really be like. Well, maybe Mm -hmm. you can do something in between with Nutix, N Y U T Y X. It's a complete Linux distribution based on Linux from scratch, and uh, they have a uh, whole—I guess I would call it—distinct package manager Mm -hmm. (laughs) called Cards, which is for them. It's up to you to decide whether you want to use their port system or you can use their packages, their binary Cards packages. Here they got top ten benefits. You can install it from almost any other distribution using a bash script. It has a hierarchical ports collection. A very simple method called porting allows you to download a recipe from the repositories. It takes care of dependencies. It has the ability, once installed to a folder, to produce a personalized installable ISO of the distro. It allows complete base binary package selection of individual packages. For example, just development or man pages documentation. It has no need for separate hard drives or partition. It creates virtual environments. You're able to reinstall without formatting the target disk or partition. It's unique installation prevents NuTux install from formatting the different partitions. I guess I don't understand about how this particular aspect of it works. It's powerful yet simple, they say. It has a totally unique package manager with expandable modules with no dependencies except for glibc. And has the ability to compile all packages properly per level in a dedicated cheroot environment. Well, I think I'm supposed to stop with the bell. So that's Nutix. N-Y-U-T-X. You can find it at N-U-T-Y-X dot org. That's a unique one, huh? It is. That's pretty cool. I've I've not heard of it until we uh, until we chose it for this episode. They just had a release. Uh, I want to say two weeks ago or something kind of soon. Recent. They just had a they had a new release. So check it out. That's kind of a fun one. And you can find and I they have a. Ooh, hold on. Pulling up a screenshot here. Brace yourself, Noah. Boom. Plasma desktop screenshot. It boots. There it is on Newtix. And uh, you can find our past distro picks at JupiterBroadcasting dot com slash Last picks, and I would love to get some great distro suggestions. Like, I would like to have a list that's so long we don't know what to do with that we just start to say, Well, we're going to review this one, we'll feature this one. It gets crazy. Submit them at linuxactionshow.reddit.com, tweet them to us, or even better, just email them in at the contact page, and we'll consider them for future inclusion in the show. All right, Noah, that's all the picks. And that brings us to the end of this week's broadcast. But we got your emails to get to before we get out of here and a few other things. I'd like to thank System76 for making this segment possible. They make powerful computers to help you do more with Linux out of the box. With great support, a great company, good community behind them, and super powerful rigs from desktops to laptops. They got some all from the KB Lakes up to the Oryx Pros with the GTXs, the serval workstations, and the Bonobos. They got KB Lake. KB Lake and the Lemur. You hear that, Noah? KB Lake. Yeah, I, I, I hear you mispronouncing Cabby. Like, yes, I'm sorry. What? I'm i sorry, said, what? I
1: heard you mispronouncing cabby. Well, well, okay,
0: in but we do system agree system. on how you pronounce Le right? We do. Uh, yeah. The okay. They've got great desktops and servers too. Check them out at system seventy six dot com and just tell them Noah switched to Linux. I don't care if you already run Linux. Damn it! Just tell them that. Jeez, gosh. Um, yeah. Be, it's just for it it's for cool fun, huh? Give you cool things if you do. Yeah. All right, well, that makes it worth it right there. All right, Jonathan writes in with XFS versus ZFS. Uh, he says, hello, Chris and Noah. I remember seeing you guys discuss both ZFS and XFS on previous episodes of Last. At the moment, I'm thinking about changing the file system in my computer, which is currently Extended 4, and I'm still undecided whether to go ZFS or XFS. Do you guys have any suggestions on recommendations on what I should go for, or should I just stay with Extended 4 for now? I'd like to know your thoughts. Thanks. And Cheers. Jonathan, all XFS all the time. All XFS all the time unless you got a whole bunch of disks, you got a lot of RAM, and maybe you do ZFS. XFS is you so— better have a lot of experience in ZFS on BSD so you know when you're dealing with a ZFS problem and when it's something that's—because ZFS is new on Linux. So I think uh, the Echo thinks I'm talking to it. She likes you, dude. She likes you. Yeah, I mean, it's, ZFS is great, but XFS is like— um, when you when you find something that's just really well built, really refined, and it's been around for a really long time, I'm not usually the first person that says, go with the really tried and true stable thing. It's so amazing. I'd love that stuff. But when it comes wait, wait. to file systems, man, nothing better than tried and true reliable. And XFS is great. They got new sense of development and momentum behind it. I love it. Now the one thing that people write in when I talk about XFS that I probably should mention more often is I don't believe there's a way to shrink the XFS volume. So if you ever are in the position where you might need to shrink it down, which I don't know why you would, but if you are, maybe you're moving it to a smaller partition or drive or something, bear in mind that XFS is not awesome for that. However, you could also just format the partition XFS, the new one, and just move the data over and, and be fine. XFS has online defragmentation. It has a great set of tools. It has extended attribute support. It's really solid. So if you don't need the real-time uh, checksumming that, uh, that ZFS has, and I don't think XFS, XFS has compression. I've never looked. Um, it doesn't have those things. So if you need those things, ZFS. Otherwise, XFS all the way, all day. You want to take Andrews or maybe even summarize Andrews? Yeah,
1: so Andrew writes in, I think I got it cut down a little bit here. Andrew writes in, and thank you, Andrew, for the uh, for for the kind words. I appreciate it. We had to condense your email down just a little bit so that it would fit for the show. So he writes in about IPSec and SimpleLub. Uh, mm. simple he says, hi there. I just wanted, uh, just wanted to say that I've been using simple up my IT business, for about three years now. And I have to say it's more than paid for itself many times over. Cool. I watched your IPSec segment and wanted to highlight a new setup I've been migrating, migrating to using OpenVPN and a server called printunl the setup handle site to site very well as for as well as for a road warrior i install print url on an amazon server because i needed the lowest latency possible and DigitalOcean has no sydney data center the beauty of the system is i can use a web interface which i create an open vpn server to my client premise and then i add each user a router can also be a user that needs a contact. Define the subject of the local and print U- U- uh, UNL takes care of the rest. This awesome thing gives you a profile URI link. So it's easy for pasting the link into their client and it's ready to go. Keep up all the work on the shows. Thanks, Andrew. Sounds like another happy endorsement for Simple Help. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, very yeah, they nice. Actually- they actually, they are releasing a, a new system and I, 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 I was, I was looking to get some details on it and I guess uh, the, the rest of the details aren't public, but basically what they are announcing is what they're calling simple provider. And uh, basically what they're going to do is they are going to, uh, my understanding is they're going to start uh, structuring to kind of target that managed service kind of uh, environment and provide the tools necessary for the people in it to offer oh, those man. tools for their clients. So that, I think that's going to be kind of cool. You're going to be watching
0: there. that with probably interest. I will. I'll, I'll be one of their first sign-ups, I <laughs> bet. <laughs> you know, we got to come over here and get some Washington uh, businesses on your uh, client list. Tell yeah, me. yeah. If you're ever out here and for some reason like a flight gets delayed or something and we have an extra day, that's what we should spend mm-hmm. some time doing. It's just going around and a little I, client y- trauma. You know,
1: I mean, I kind of talked to you about this a couple months ago. You know, like the, 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 like the pseudo groundwork for that has already been laid. It's just a matter of actually executing on uh, it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, if you want to get your question into the show, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact. Choose Linux Action Show from the drop down, Or you can start a thread at com. You can also contact us on the Twitters. I am at Chris Las. Mr. Noah over there is at Kernel Linux, And the business? At Ultraspeed. Very good. And uh, you can uh, follow both of those. And uh, actually, both are pretty good accounts to follow. I follow them both and I'm... You're a better Twitter user than I am for the most part, really. I mostly I know, just reply about, to people.
1: I know, yeah, I don't know about that, but I definitely I like it was kind of cool. So this sometimes you get insight into things I do outside the show. So for example, this weekend I was a I was a guest speaker for uh, two different presentations out at the Cabela's NRA weekend, and so I was out there giving him some instruction. I saw that yeah, that was cool.
0: I didn't even know. I found out. I found out via Noah's Twitter feed. Yeah. <laughs> You would be a good vlogger, dude. You really would. I know the only problem is you don't have enough time, but you could really show me how good Lightworks is with a daily vlog. In the meantime, you can follow mine at youtube.com slash chrisfisher. It's not daily. It's just when I can get one out. But I would be really, with that kind of stuff, I would be interested to see that, Noah. Think about that. Noah's World. Oh, man, I just gave you the name, too. Noah's World. Couldn't even come up with a name for my own, but I'm all just... right, okay, all right.
1: This might be a thing. If only be... I wasn't really interested up until you put the Lightworks pitch in there. But this is... <laughs> Lightworks is an enterprise-grade editor ready for daily
0: content, high-quality daily content. High-quality daily content. High quality I daily content I'm in. Challenge it. All right, there you go. That's the show. If you'd like to submit a story, something you didn't see us talk about, a project you think we should know about, or a distro that should be featured linuxactionshow.reddit.com. We'll be back live next week. Go to jblive.tv to watch that at noon Pacific or get it converted at your time at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. We would like to get your feedback on the the new flow. This is the last planned episode that we'll do the new flow. But if we get some positive feedback and after no and I have time to sort of ruminate on it and discuss it further, we may keep this new flow. I think after doing three like of them it. in a row, I, I think I like it. I do too.
1: I like it, and I think it's going to be really great for the audience because I think that when they come to click on an episode, I think that they can get the main content out of the way, and then additionally, I think we can grab a lot of those fly by night people yeah. that you know are just they're they're not part of the community, and you know then we can bring them into the community. I
0: have a I have a sense that by putting the main content that the whole the whole show is titled mm-hmm. around, mm-hmm. it 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 puts the pressure it takes the pressure off us after that so we can yes. take our we can take a little more time with stuff we can experiment yep. a little more after that's out because we've gotten past that part whereas before it felt like we were always rushing up like we we were we knew yeah. that people were tuning in to, to watch that specific thing so we wanted mm-hmm. to hurry to get there and now it feels yep. like that's done and now we mm-hmm. can just kind of sit here and chat a little bit and kind of take advantage of what a long-form podcast allows for i don't know yep. love to hear your guys's thought leave it in the feedback thread or send us an email or just give us a quick tweet with your opinion uh, what you think about it. You can also follow the whole network at Jupiter signal. That's also a good spot to give your feedback. Okay, everybody with all of that said, all those different channels and, and mentioned and anything else I could possibly think of that brings us to the end of this week's broadcast. And we will see you right back here next week. Are, we, are you sure we haven't done that distro? Oh, I guess we haven't been doing distros for a while. So I guess that's possible. For
1: four weeks. Yes. I'm sure we haven't done that distro. Really? We've done it for four weeks!
0: But we've done distro picks in the past.
1: Oh, I didn't compare
0: against that. Jesus, on, dude. dude. It's like hold I'm talking to my kids sometimes. Hold on.
1: <laughs> Can I just point out that the same could be said about Thunderbird? You didn't want to
0: do Thunderbird as a real pick, so I mean... Yeah. I, like that I, I like that now Thunderbirding is a is a... <laughs> Yeah, I did <laughs> see that. In the show notes, I tag something, and I was
1: like, "Here's a backup, whatever, in case you thunderbird my pick."
2: <laughs>
0: you should do, you should do something like it's the picks or something.
1: Wait, oh, to start? Yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen. <laughs> they make it sound like people like kick their feet up on the dash and just you know, I it doesn't it doesn't
0: matter. I I've literally been commuting and several times I've seen either seen somebody reading a book or reading the newspaper and I've seen women doing their makeup and I've seen guys shaving. And I'm seeing <laughs> shaving while driving. Oh yeah. Themselves. Oh yeah, and makeup of course in the mirror, in the mirror. <laughs> Why would you want and, and the And the newspaper, man. They're sitting there with the newspaper and it's one of these. It's one of these. In rush hour. Because there's a lot of rush hour around here. So people just got nothing to do for like an hour and 45 minutes. Third episode right here, ladies and gentlemen. This is how you do it. This is how you do three shows. This
1: is how we do it.
0: A 48 hour. No, not a 48 hour last. A 48 hour fast. <laughs> do you want to do that?
1: Dude, I'd be up for that. Forty-eight I would tell, hours? Like, I couldn't watched, do that. that be
0: terrible.
1: I could totally do that. I could totally do that. That would be fun.
0: Hey, hey, Noah. No, hey,
1: Noah. I, I, uh, my thing stays the same. It's you that has to change. I'm just, I'm using the words. You just words. do the LTS do the word intro. intro.
0: Word. Noah's do sticking to his LTS intro.
1: I stay. I have the words. I just cyclically use your words, though.
0: My updates words. are rolling. My part of the segment's rolling. That's right. Here comes the well, trap. LTS. It's a good way
1: to
2: look at it. I'm stable. Noah, quit screwing around.